0: Well, hello, hello. Welcome. This is Twisted Wicked Crime with me, Christina. It's another Sunday, so you know what that means. Another Twisted and Wicked Case. Well, hello, everybody. How is everyone? Oh my gosh, I missed you guys so much. Like, it's crazy how much I love doing this podcast because. I really do miss my strangers. (laughs) Um, I needed to take the week off. Like I said, my daughter's birthday was last weekend. She turned four. She got a big birthday uh, day really because she got a princess makeover. She got a brand new big girl bed. She was in a toddler bed before which is where you take the crib out of the crib and you put it into a little bed. (laughs) So she's got a full blown bed now So she was surprised by that and we had a big party for her and it went on and on and on and on. So I needed that and it's just been a crazy week because she starts school on Thursday next week. So we met the teachers on Thursday and it's her first year of school. So we're excited and nervous and all that good stuff. And Hey, you know, it's Friday night, so I'm drinking a beer. I'm not going to sip it on camera. And tonight I'm actually drinking Tower Beer. It's a brewery um, here in Arizona up in Flagstaff, which, oh my gosh, if you've ever been to Flagstaff, it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And they make some good IPA beers. And tonight I'm drinking the Roadside Grove, which is like a citrus beer. It's got like lemon and orange. And if you don't know anything about me by now, You know i like my citrus ipas (laughs) so i still love my new belgium and i do have some of that in the fridge as well but i will be drinking the tower and i won't be sipping it on mic because i feel like that can be annoying sometimes i'll do it once in a while but not tonight and also guys um you might hear some thunder rolling in the background because we have a storm rolling in crazy so How perfect would that be if the storm hits as we're talking about this true crime case? So you may hear some thunder rumbling in the background. I'm just hoping that the power doesn't go out because it did go out at my husband's work um, a little bit ago on the south side when they were kind of getting hit with this. So fingers crossed we can make it through. Now with that said, let's dive into today's case. And man, I have a really sad one and i feel like one that belongs on a lifetime movie which actually it might have been i didn't even look that up i did go down the rabbit hole on this one there's a lot of information on this one and yeah let's get into it so today we're talking about sherry rasmussen and i call this a father's plea because her dad really fought for her and really tried to get this person who did this to his daughter behind bars. And this was a case that took 22 years to solve, I believe. Um, So it was unsolved for a very, very long time. And at this time, Sherry was just 29 years old when she was murdered. Sorry, can't talk. And she'd only been married to her husband, John, for three months. So they were purely newlyweds. And let's talk about the love story that is Sherry and John. Sherry and John had known each other for two years before they got married, and they met when John had just graduated from UCLA, and they instantly fell for each other. Sherry was thriving, and she was a well-established in her career as a nurse when she met John. John graduated with his mechanical engineering degree. It's just like, wow, there's a power couple for you right there. And Sherry was super smart. She actually had been a nurse nine years already. So if you do the math, she was 20 when she became a nurse. So how does that work, right? I mean, you graduate high school when you're 18, 19, right? Go to college, you got to take those courses. Well, Sherry, Miss Smarty Pants, took a college course when she was just 16 years old and she became a nurse at the age of 20. Just like, wow, that girl is getting it. Now, I was a struggle bus at 16. You were lucky if I even went to my high school classes. It's just like, people amaze me. And it's just such a tragedy what happens to this beautiful, smart woman. And if you know this case, like I said, you know it's a wild one. Sherry was the director of nursing at Glendale Aventis Medical Center. And she was just absolutely so wonderful. Sherry loved people, and she wanted to help them and take care of them. And from very early on, she knew she wanted to be a nurse. And she wanted to elevate the nursing program and nursing across the country. And you can actually just tell from looking at her photos how kind and genuine she was. Her parents and siblings all said how amazing she was and how sweet she was. And friends, of course, had nothing but positive things to say. It just sounds like she really touched a lot of people's lives and it really breaks my heart whenever I'm researching these cases that it's always these types of people that get murdered. Like, I don't think anybody should get murdered, but I just, I feel like these smart people get murdered all the time. These kind ones, the ones that do want to do good for the world. Like, ugh, disgusting, right? Okay. So when John met Sherry, He was like in total awe of her too. Like, oh, like there was not only an attraction to her beauty, but he loved how smart she was and how she was with her career, like really going and getting it like a go-getter. Now her parents were proud of her and John saw that too. They did actually have a lot in common. They both liked to run and work out. They liked a lot of the same things, movies, restaurants, you know, typical interests, they had a lot in common, and they really had a deep connection for sure. Like any relationship, of course, it had ups and downs, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, but they really did love each other. Now, sadly, on the morning of February 24th, 1986, that changed everything. That morning, Sherry was debating going into work or not. She had been called in on her day off To help teach a human resources class for the nurses and she was deciding this as john was getting ready to go to work himself and sherry was actually just having one of those mornings wasn't feeling like working or going in and we all had those mornings i have them every monday morning and every friday morning i just vote for three-day weekends okay but we've all been there, right? You just all have the day where you're just feeling blah and yucky and you just don't you don't want to do anything. You just want to be a couch potato and lounge around in your PJs all day. Maybe eat some ice cream. I don't know. John was actually helping her work through it. And he said, you know what? Why don't you just go in and get it over with? Now, after he had said this to her, it was 7.20 in the morning and he took off to work. But he first stopped to drop off some dry cleaning and then he headed in. John, Car- John, excuse me, I'm getting tongue twisted already. John called Sherry later that morning to see if she had decided to go into work after all, and she didn't answer, so he did assume that she went into work. Now remember, this is 1986, so no cell phones. Well, I don't actually know. There were probably like those Zach Morris cell phones kind of floating around out there. I think that was like the late '80s, but anyway, no cell phones. So John called her office and her secretary told him that she wasn't there and actually she hadn't seen Sherry in the office at all that day. Now this didn't strike her secretary or John as something weird or something to worry about because this particular day was a Monday and on Mondays it was not unusual not to see Sherry in the office as she bounced around to teach different classes. It was just a very busy day. John and Sherry sorry john tried sherry a few more times at home and she didn't answer now he started to get a little worried like something might be up but not too much though as he thought maybe she just ran out to run some errands and he was trying not to overreact again like this is the 80s no cell phones and you can't really take your mind to think anything's wrong right well john went about his day and when he got home later that evening Things were very off as he pulled in. The garage door was wide open. Okay. Could have forgot to close it, right? But what was really strange was her BMW he had given to her before they were married wasn't in there. So his nerves are starting to set in. For a second, he thought, okay, she's just running errands and accidentally left the garage door open. I'm pretty sure I've probably done it before. I mean, I think we probably all have. But that's when he saw broken glass scattered all over the driveway. Later, did we find out about this, that it was actually the door to the second balcony of their townhome that had been smashed into pieces. This is where this glass came from, which we'll learn a little bit later. The front door going into the home was left wide open, so uh uh-oh. My stomach, if I came upon something like this, would be in so much knots, especially like after not being able to reach my significant other all day. I would be in wrecks. Like, what am I going to walk into? Were they robbed? Like, it's just so scary to think about. And I'm sure he was as he was heading in. Something was very wrong, and he could no longer assume Sherry was off running errands. John enters his home with caution, of course. Again, no cell phones, so you can't call the police from outside. As he enters, he sees his wife, Sherry, 29 years old, dead on the living room floor. She was still in her oversized shirt she wore to bed and her robe like she had on every morning like she when she was getting ready for her day, which means she never got ready for her day before this happened. Her arms were raised up a bit like she was trying to defend herself even up to the last second on her, one of her legs was bent and her, her face. Oh my gosh, this was just awful. You guys, Ugh, oh my gosh, I don't even want to say this. Showed signs of a very intense beating and John, from what he could see was one gunshot wound to the center of her chest. So my God, what happened here? Sherry was actually shot three times in the chest. Wow. This poor woman was brutally beaten in the face and then shot three times. John went to check to see if she was alive. He touched her and she was cold. He checked some more and there was no signs of life. He rushed to the phone and called 911. LAPD are trying to pin this on a home invasion gone wrong. Nope, sirs. Nope, 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 nope. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Nothing was taken from the home. There were no drugs there, so investigators looked around the scene, saying that this was a home invasion gone wrong. There had been a stream of burglaries. Why can't I say that word? In the neighborhoods, and the person who was doing that hadn't been caught yet. So they say, "Yep, home invasion." Um, excuse me, she was beaten and shot. Home invasions don't beat you, right? I don't. Believe they would beat you. I think they'd just shoot you and leave. Now, investigators believe that the home was broken into not by one man, but two. And Sherry being home threw them off guard. And this was when they became angry and then shot her to death. Sherry was one of 831 homicide cases reported that year in LA. So, holy cow, of course they had a workload, and of course they're going to push this off quickly nope that's the wrong thing and the wrong answer fellas dig deeper you can do it i'm not bashing police but it's just like i hate it how in these cases they just go off and assume that this is a robbery like think about poor ryan that case that i did and they see his dead girlfriend and they assume he's the killer when he obviously got home invaded himself like It's just asked backwards to me. And the 80s was a different time. I get it. But I just, uh, it makes me so mad. Like, I feel like if they just did a thorough job, her case would have been solved a lot sooner, and you'll see. But in the case, it was solved. So that's what's important. So a lot of important information was overlooked. And sadly, because of their workload, Sherry's case was pushed aside through the rest of the 80s and into the 90s. So it's just rolling over. This is absolutely wild. You are ready. This was a cold case. Okay, like I said, this was a cold case until 2009. So let's thank the heavens that some new people were put on this and they solved. Because my guys and gals, this is just so crazy what happened. And again, I'm going to say like a Lifetime movie. Like I said, I don't know if it is one. You Google this case, and it feels like thousands of pages come up. It's just mind-blowing that it was a cold case for so long. Now, in 2009, new investigators take a look, and they reopen it, putting the one who did this behind bars for good. Oh, wait, did I mention that they end up putting away one of their own officers? Hmm, that's where it gets wild. But before I can get fully there let's talk about the initial investigation and what happened the day that Sherry died or what they believe happened. Homicide detective Lyle Mayer was the one who was initially assigned to Sherry's case. He arrived to the scene immediately and took a look at the scene and he surveyed it and he noted that Sherry looked like she was beaten in the face very badly. Uh, yeah, dude. And anyway and yeah that she looked like she was struck with a very hot heavy object above her right eye and he also noticed a very intense and i'm going to say intense because it was human bite mark in her left forearm like what and they are saying this is a home invasion This screams home invasion right no there's a bite mark that is personal She'd also been shot in the chest three times with a 38 caliber pistol, which was the cause of her death. Not the beatings to the face, which just sound awful. Like I guess her face was almost kind of like unrecognizable, which is very sad because she was so beautiful, just all around, inside and out. Oh, more thunder. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and around two of the bullet holes there were, so like if you're imagining the bullet holes, around two of those holes, there were contact wounds, which means, I had to look this up, which means it was a super close shot. So the person who shot her did this at point blank. Now he noticed a pink and green quilt on a nearby chair with a bullet hole through it. That's when he realized what happened. He said, Whoever shot Sherry used that blanket to shoot Sherry point-blank range to minimize the noise. My mouth when I read this for the first time was in shock. This is scary to think about someone thinking about this before doing it. Like, they planned it. Like, they were like, I'm going to use this blanket. This was planned out for sure. Like, a home invasion is not going to use a blanket to silence it. Detective Mayor looked around the townhome and more and it was absolutely trashed not like it had been robbed and ransacked but like there was a major struggle that had happened a vase had been smashed on the floor a large stereo and speaker had been flipped over with all the wires out but the rest of the equipment was fine wooden shelves had been pulled down off the cabinets the tv's antennas and receivers had been knocked over and were just hanging over the tv so weird and going up to the second floor of the townhome, on the bottom of the stairs was a VCR and a CD player stacked on top of each other. The CD player had a bloody fingerprint smeared on it. Okay, that's very eerie. There was also blood smeared all over the walls leading up the stairs. Now remember the balcony door? It had been completely smashed out. This, again, I'm going to say is not a robbery or a home invasion. Nothing was stolen. So after taking everything in and observing, Detective Mare wanted to bring John in for questions. Sorry guys, or even girls, they're always gonna question the spouse first. He wanted to know what John was doing the morning before he left for work, like what was the scene, like what he did when he arrived home to this. Detective Mare was able to rule out John pretty quickly as a suspect. John was very distraught and upset, Rightfully so. This is heartbreaking because he tells detective that him and Sherry in their marriage were having the best time. Detective John, or detective tells John that he believes his house was burglarized today sometime before 10 a.m. Then he tells him there was no signs of forced entry, which makes him believe that the killer or killers had simply walked right into the home expecting to find valuables, not a person. He thinks that one of the invaders went around the home unplugging all the electronics in the walls while the other person went upstairs and was met by Sherry and caught off guard. He said Sherry probably ran into the dining room and the invader went after her, shooting the first shot to her there. Detective Mayer thought that the shot went through Sherry, hitting the door and shattering the glass. He said the person got scared and left the house when hearing the gunshot and that's why all the electronics were left there. It is highly unlikely, too, that Sherry was shot upstairs and ran down, causing the blood on the wall. As the detective is saying this, what happened, she went into the living room where the killer hit her over the head with a vase and then grabs the quilt to quietly shoot her two more times, ending her life. He goes on to say that they go out and get Sherry's BMW, abandoning the plan to rob the house in the first place, leaving everything behind. And then they take off in her BMW. He said, that's what happened. And he saw nothing was taken. Well, strange that John and Sherry's marriage certificate was taken, but to be fair, no matter how long he was in the house, anyone investigating wouldn't know something like that. John, which he did report, but it was left out of the file case. Later, they do find Sherry's car a couple blocks away with the keys still in it. Detective Mayer felt confident that this is what happened, and so the criminologist for the county's coroner's office, Lloyd McCamey, McCamey, I think is how you say it, went to the scene to examine the body. He arrived around 2 a.m., and he did a very thorough investigating. It's interesting, too, that the marriage certificate, sorry, going back to that, that was left out real quick that a lot of other things go missing from this case too not just that just the fact that the coroner did a thorough job like makes me think of that so to him it looked like sherry was in a fight with a slash above her eye coming from something other than a fist he thinks that she was struck in the face with the gun that shot her she had an abrasion on her wrist area which he thinks she might have been tied up at one point with a rope or something Now, this is hard, but he found, this is so disgusting, oh my god, he found two of her fingernails were completely torn off and missing, and those two fingernails were later found by the door, which means whoever did this ripped two of her fingernails off too. I'm actually cringing right now, this is so brutal. He believes that the first shot that went completely through her body was the one that killed her but it also may have been the last two. He couldn't tell for sure. There were two other shots to her heart and lungs, which became lodged in her chest and spine. Oh, Sherry, this is so sad. Her body was traced for any DNA. They didn't think that she was raped. There were no signs of it, but they did the rape kit just to be sure. Now, all of this went into the file or evidence room, and he swabbed the bite mark injury, and he even measured it. And he made very notes and details about this. And then he put the swab in a sealed evidence tube with the date and time. He placed this in an envelope and evidence. Now he thinks that the bite came as a last fuck you. Thank you, right? That's personal. <sighs> that this bite came after she was already dead. So whoever did this bit her after she was dead. And that is personal. The coroner took four hours to examine her. And then he drove to the coroner's office. Sadly, all his hard work, most all of it would become lost. Okay, how? Makes me angry. Well, we're going to get there. Detective Mayer looking over everything after the coroner did his report. That's something in him felt like this was personal. Okay. Even though he was leaning more on the robbery and that this is what the LAPD were calling it. Come on, again, the bite mark. No one thought to question or ask Sherry's sister, Teresa, who was at the townhome the day before Sherry was killed. They never talked to Sherry's neighbor who lived 20 feet away and was home right after the murder happened. And the big kicker, they never spoke to Jane, Sherry's really good friend, who knows of someone Sherry has been having problems with. Hmm. Na, 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 na. The plot thickens, doesn't it? They did talk to John and Sherry's parents, who all mentioned this person's name, Stephanie Lazarus, John's ex-girlfriend. And they pushed the police to talk to her. They were kind of rude, and they were refusing to talk to Stephanie or bring her in and that all three of them that they didn't really talk to had said they need to investigate on Stephanie. So why wouldn't they talk to this person? Why wouldn't they talk to Miss Stephanie? Oh, that's right. She's an LA police officer protecting their own, are they? Stephanie was only a rookie at this time, but she was one of them. Sherry's dad, Nell called Detective Mayer the day after his daughter's death and told him to look into Stephanie. He just knew, like her friend, that Cher was having issues with this woman. He kept asking, did you speak to her? He recalled Cheryl, Sherry being uncomfortable around her four separate times. Sorry, I'm getting tongue twisted again. Maybe I do need to sip my beer. One time being that Stephanie just showed up at her and John's townhome to see if John could help her wax her skis. Um, excuse me, what? This was right before they got married and Sherry had a strong feeling that you're not, that she wasn't there to help for John's help to wax the skis. And it's in California where she's going skiing at. Sherry goes and tells John that like, Hey, she wants something more and that the skis that more than the skis were waxed and that, What am I trying to say? Sorry, I'm losing my place. Sherry goes to tell John that she's like, hey, I think Stephanie wants more than just her skis waxed. And that made her very uncomfortable. So John goes around and assures her it's nothing like that. And that he barely dated her and it was in college. And he will wax her skis as he doesn't want to cause any drama or fight, which maybe he knew about her violent behavior anyway don't lie to your wife sherry hoped that this would be the last time she saw her a few days later stephanie showed back up to pick up her skis sherry made it clear this time around that she was not welcome within the home and she did this all while being outside sherry feeling good thinks that this is the last time so nope days later she shows up again And this was after John had actually already left for work. Stephanie showed up at the townhome in her police uniform. She tells Sherry, Oh wow, I was just on break from work and wanted to come by and say hi to John to see how he was doing. But I'm surprised you're here. You're usually at work. Sherry starts to wonder, is there something going on with John and her? Or is this her being sneaky and her plan to get John? It's such a tough situation. You want to believe the one you love, and this woman is pretty much crazy. Does she come over all the time while she's at work? So she tells John this, and he tells her, again, nothing is going on. Oh, my gosh. Did you guys just hear that thunder? Listen. Oh, it's going to storm, and I'm going to take a sip of my beer. I told you guys I wasn't going to, but I'm going to. Hmm. So good, guys. It's a good beer. Flagstaff. Mm, I need to go up there again. It's so nice and cool. Snows. Well, anyway, John tells her nothing's going on. Um, this would make me very uncomfortable. Like, I would not be okay with this. And sadly, there is one final uncomfortable encounter. Just a couple days before her and John's wedding. Stephanie shows up at Sherry's work, pushing past her secretary in a very pro proact- pro- provocative, I can't say that word, provocative outfit, provocative? Provocative. Provocative, right? <laughs> I don't have a dress like that, so I don't know what the word is. Scandalous. She's dressed scandalous. And she tells Sherry that her and John are very much still romantically involved. She tells her that she should not trust her future husband and that if she can't have John, no one will. Is that a threat to Sherry? Is this is Sherry's dad telling Detective Mayor all this the day after she died? Detective Mayor tells him that you actually watch too much cop shows. Okay, Nell loved his cop shows, no doubt about that. But what? Her dad is telling him this woman threatened his daughter. And that this is not a home invasion and that he needs to investigate stephanie and he's fighting hard he knows this was stephanie and he is trying to get his daughter justice he's actually practically begging them at this point to talk to her detective mayor said no it was a robbery robbery or someone who may have wanted to hurt her john also mentioned stephanie to them too remember these poor people just knowing that it takes 22 or 20 years to solve this, were fighting so hard at the beginning. Sherry's parents did fly from Tucson, Arizona. Hey, 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 Tucson shout out. That's where I live. If you already know that, <laughs> they actually lived in Tucson and they actually flew out to LA to meet with the detectives in person when they learned that Sherry's case wasn't being taken seriously. And they were shocked that they still hadn't looked into Stephanie. As they showed them, meaning as the detective showed Sherry's parents the two sketches of the two men and told them about the stream of robberies, the coroner said that the fight could have taken an hour. So I guess when... Stephanie, as we know at this point, um, if you haven't figured it out by now, I've said her name enough that she's the bitch that did it. Spoiler alert. Um, they fought for an hour, I guess, before uh, she killed Sherry, which this is what the coroner's saying, whoever killed her, if they fought for at least an hour. Well, two big guys against a girl would not take an hour, and they certainly wouldn't use a blanket to silence the gun. And they're going to take the time to do that and then bite her? After a couple weeks of interviews and looking through evidence, they came up with no leads. At some point, they boxed everything up, all the notes they had, the evidence, you name it, and they put it on a shelf. Now, this was a still active case, but it was a cold one. And years went by and nothing. And a new unit was formed in the year of 2001 that were specially formed to look into cold cases and unsolved murders. There were thousands and thousands of unsolved, even going back to the 70s. Within those unsolved were Sherry's case. And her case landed on the desk of Detective Rob Bub. ha! <laughs> I love that name. It's fun to say. And he's amazing, by the way. I love him, and so will you. If you have not heard this case anyway, you will love him. He's the one that gets it done, guys. Well, Sherry's case found her way to wonderful bub's desk almost 22 years after her murder. 22 years. As he was going through this case, nothing popped out at him. And then he saw a note about the bite mark. In 2004, he realized an error had been made. Remember Lloyd, the coroner had took that swab and he drove it to the coroner's office. Well, that sample never made it to LAPD office. It was delivered to LAPD's science infestation unit, and it was sitting in a freezer in the coroner's office for 18 years. Eee! Well, this DNA sample was there and it got tested. And it did not match anyone they had in the criminal system, but it did determine that it was a woman's saliva. Detective Bub went to the suspect list to see if there were any female names mentioned and there was only one, Miss Stephanie Lazarus, who was now high up on the detective. She was a high up detective with the LAPD, of course, right? Sorry, my daughter's distracting me because she opened the door. So I'm going to take a sip of the beer. So sorry if you hear background noise. Now, Detective Bub did not know her personally, but he knew who she was. And she was a very well Respective detective on the department. She went to ULCA and then joined the LAPD right out of college. She got married to another officer in 1996 named Scott Young, and they adopted their daughter together. Stephanie's friends said that she was intelligent and sweet, that she was great at what she did. She did volunteer work. She would bake sweet treats for neighbors, and she was very well liked by all. She did. Uh, she was a part of the D.A.R.E. program and she also did a lot within the department. In 1993 is when she made detective and she was even a part of internal affairs. And get this, was an instructor at the police academy. This is so scary when you look at her as a whole. How could someone like this do what she did? She was one of two people on a new force investigating art theft that she even went out of her way to learn different techniques to help solve the cases. Now this made Detective Bub very nervous when he had to an investigation, but he wanted justice for Sherry. Like he's like, I gotta investigate her, but he's worried. He was worried it wasn't going to, he was worried that it was gonna fly through the rumor hall of the LAPD and get back to her or someone else would try and cover it up. Well. Guess what? Somebody already did. A couple people. Detective Bub learned that he was not the first one to try to investigate Stephanie, but evidence went missing. Hmm. She had 100%, and I'm saying 100% had people help her cover up this murder. That was also on the department. You know she did. Because she's pure evil. You murdered an innocent woman because you wanted her man, and you couldn't accept it. Then you had others help you cover it up. That is sick. If one of my coworkers murdered someone, I would not help them cover it up. Idiots. Bub, not my co-workers. (laughs) I'm talking about her co-workers. Stephanie's co-workers. I love my co-workers. I probably would cover up a murder for them. I love you guys if you're listening. Bub didn't let that scare him or stop him. There were officers and investigators within his team that he trusted and he called on them to do an outside work investigation. So he called to help him, Detective Jim Natal and Pete Barbara and Mark Martinez, and they were the only four who knew about this, and they all worked on this case after hours. They even made cover stories, and if anyone became suspicious or asked why they were suddenly so interested in old DNA, they even coded their notes on her and even gave her a code name, number five. Okay, that's <laughs> It makes me think of like Inspector Gadget or something like, what was that, Get Smart or whatever that show was back in the day? Number five. These four men are also super badasses. So you have Detective Bub and his three men. They're just all complete lovely badasses. They're the men we love of the world. They keep all the information on her in a separate binder that only they had access to. Now at first they weren't sure that they had the right person, but just two weeks after Sherry's murder, Stephanie reported that her 38 caliber backup pistol was stolen. Hmm. Wasn't that the exact gun filed in this report too? That was the coroner said was used. Now, when her gun was stolen, Stephanie reported this to the Santa Monica police, not her own department at LAPD. She clearly got rid of this gun because you used your cop gun to murder someone. That is so fucked up. These four were like, nothing about this says home invasion. Sherry and John lived in a gated community, and why would they want to rob someone? It's 9 a.m. If they did get in, they were trying to rule rule her out. But, like, the more research they did, the more it became obvious that Stephanie did this. Like, they were really trying not to pin it on her. But, like, home invasions don't happen that early. And everything just added up to Stephanie. And they tried to rule her out. She spent the last 22 years just being a cop, protecting others, while she is a cold, hard murderer. Detective Jim Natal, knowing that Stephanie's name was only mentioned once during the investigation, he decided, I'm going to call Sherry's dad to ask him about what he originally told police about John's ex, because that's who mentioned that her name was only in there once. And oh my gosh, her dad must have been so excited and ready to tell someone that was going to listen. You guys, this is exciting. He tells him that he Doesn't know John's ex's name, but he knows she was a cop with the LAPD. (gasps) Oh my gosh. See, see, it's all adding up, guys. It's so exciting. After four months, Detective Bub, I love that name so much. He just sounds like a good detective. They were sure they had their girl, but they needed physical evidence and they had none except for the swab. They knew it was from a woman, and they knew they had to get Stephanie's. So in May of 2009, Detective Bubb went to his commanding officer and arranged a meeting with the deputy chief, Michael Moore. Bubb laid out all the information and findings, and this now meant that an undercover officer was going to follow Stephanie, and he followed Stephanie into a Costco the world of free samples. Uh-huh. You can't pass those up in there. They're so good, right? My husband does all the Costco shopping because he's a good, good husband. and that gives me anxiety in there and he knows where everything is. So he can get in and out like we split. So I hope he's eating all the samples for me. But every time I do there, I'm like, mm, give me sample. Give me sample. Give me sample. Well, like me, Stephanie couldn't resist them either. And she decided, (laughs) this is the best. She didn't sample food, guys. No, this is just perfect. She's going to sample a drink and she used a straw. So she used that straw and that cup and she threw it away. Undercover cop to the rescue. He swoops in right after her. And he grabs that cup and straw and he puts it in evidence back and he directly brought it to a lab to be tested right away. After a week, ding, 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 it was a match for Stephanie Lazarus. Oh, well, now it's time to bring Miss Devil in for questioning. Let's listen to some of this investigation, too. It's disturbing. We'll get there in a minute. I want you to listen to her. She's got the scariest eyes, by the way, you guys. Oh, my God, they are... Frickin' hell. You see hell in her eyes. Like, she's a scary-ass woman. (laughs) And I'm gonna try to get these clips right, because I have a few of them, and I gotta time them right, so bear with me if the audio is a little little weird. But first, on June 5th, 2009, she was brought in. That morning was a typical one for Miss Stephanie, until she arrived to work at the LAPD downtown investigative office. It was around 9 a.m. when Detective Armio poked his head into her office and asked if she could help with something. She said yes and he told her that they had someone in the office who was related to an art heist. He asked her if if she could help interrogate them. So they took her to the basement where the cells were and they took her into the interrogation room where there was no suspect. (laughs) Instead, it was his partner, Greg Stearns. And Steph, well, they told her, can you sit down? And he explains to a confused Stephanie as he brought her down there because, well, they brought her down there because they didn't want to cause a huge scene upstairs. Now, she knew she had to, and you will hear when I play some clips. So let's take a listen and to what they ask her and her answers. Okay, sorry I had to take a quick break because my daughter interrupted me, but let's go ahead and take some listens to some of these clips and you can just kinda see and listen to her crazy and she's all over the place. So this is clip one that I'm going to play for you.
1: As far as your name being mentioned. Oh, you, okay. Do you know John, John Rutten? John Rutten? John Rutten? Rutten. Oh
2: yeah, I went to school with him. You did? Yeah.
1: How long did you know him? Gosh, I went to school in um
2: Let's see. Went to UCLA in 1978. I started and, uh, you know, met him at school at the dorms.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we guys friends, close friends. Yeah,
2: we're very close friends.
1: I mean, yeah.
2: I mean, what's this all about?
1: Well, it's regarding. It's a case we're working on. And it involves John and in there, some of the statements we we reviewed. Uh, you know, there's notes and stuff that he, that he knew you and
2: stuff. Oh yeah, I mean we, good friends. Um, lived in the dorms for, I lived in the dorms for two years, um,
1: you guys lived in the same dorm? Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Dijkstra. Okay.
1: Were you guys just friends or anything else or?
2: Yeah, we were, we were
1: good friends. Yeah. Was there any relationship or anything that developed between you guys?
2: Yeah. I mean, we dated, uh, huh. you know, um, I mean, is it, what's this all about?
1: Well, it's relating to, uh, his wife. Okay. Okay. Did you know her?
2: Not really. I mean, I knew that he got married years ago.
1: Uh huh. Did you ever meet her? God, I don't know. Um, Do you know who she was or anything?
2: Well, I let me think. God, it's been a long time ago. Um, um, I I may have met her. Um, jeez,
1: you know. Yeah. Uh, well, let me see. Let me ask you. You said you you dated John. How long did you guys date? <sighs>
2: I mean, why are you guys? Is this something? I mean, you said that I was going to interview somebody about art and how you guys are. Here's, here's. I mean,
3: Stephanie. Here's the situation. It's basically, we, you know, we knew that this when we saw this in the in in this chrono that maybe you know there was some relationship there. That's what the chrono seemed to indicate, and we didn't want to come up to you at your desk and ask those kinds of questions or do anything. You know how up there people can see what's going on if you go into an interview room or people are in there getting supplies. So we, we wanted to afford you some privacy, some confidentiality okay. to talk about this. Cause we thought it might be, you know, something, you know, you're married to someone else obviously and so forth and that you may not want to, you know, talk about these things in that setting where someone, you know, we don't want the rumor mill or gossip or any of that kind of stuff. So we did this just as, as a means to try and speak to you just okay, a confidential I mean, I just, place where you, you know, where, where your business isn't out there for other people and you, well, you know, I mean, your division. Yeah, know, I mean,
0: yeah, well, God, that's been a million years ago. I mean, you know, So, what you guys are hearing is she's already lying her butt off. She's getting completely tripped up. She is just like a psycho woman here, right? Like, she's tripping over her words. She's doing all that. Like, I'm trying to find that other clip here. Trying to time it right for you guys. So, she is just... You guys tell me what you think of her because she is a piece of work, right? Like, ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah, Miss Stephanie. Yeah. So let's go ahead and listen to a little bit more. Sorry, I don't have it at like the exact spot, but here we go.
2: So, um, mm. people I still keep, I, I haven't been in contact with her in a long time. Um, I mean, what, what, you know, what's, what's, I mean, what's this all about? I mean.
1: Well, let me ask you. What is the relationship between you and John? You
2: know, I don't, It was kind of a weird relationship i mean we 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 dated um i can't say that he was my boyfriend i don't know that he would consider me his girlfriend um we just we dated we did things i played sports in college he played basketball his brother played basketball um we just you know it just didn't work out i mean i don't know what to tell you it was like i went out with other guys um saw other guys and went on lots of vacations um, you know,
1: and, and once you guys split, were you guys still friends or kind of, uh, you know, problems? I mean, Is it friendly, not friendly?
2: No, I don't think it was not friendly. I mean, we were friendly. Um, uh, I know that we went to Hawaii, um, at one point, um, another friend of mine who's actually dying right now, uh, was, uh, went to Hawaii with us, um, at some point, um,
1: Remember roughly when that was? Oh, geez. Um,
2: let me think. Hmm. I have to check my pictures. Um, or I'd I'd say I'd ask Greg, but my friend Greg is like dying of liver cancer right now. Um. Yeah. I mean, I. You know.
3: And you were saying that. Um. The, it's 2009 now. Had you ever met his wife? I may have. Do you know? Do you remember her name or anything or? Um. Um, for what she did for a living or where she worked or anything uh, about her
2: well I think she I th- I'm i gonna say that I think she was a nurse um and I can't remember how he, he said he met her uh, yeah, I mean I, I yeah I mean it's been so long ago
1: well let me ask you did you go to their wedding you
2: know no I didn't go to their wedding um no I don't did not go to their wedding um couldn't even tell you what year he got married. I mean, you know, it's it's been a million years ago.
1: You ever remember if you ever talked to her? Because it seems like a lot of you who were at, at the school at UCLA, you guys kind of were friends during and after school. So I don't know if you guys still associated afterwards when, once he was married or anything.
2: With him? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I mean, I would say, you know, the the people that were on the dorm floor, we'd have we'd have get-togethers. Um, there's probably like four
0: or five, I don't think. So Miss Stephanie, you're saying you didn't have any encounters after John was married. What is all those crazy little encounters that you had with his wife? Like trying to manipulate everything that you have going on, trying to break up their marriage. You're so full of caca. And do you guys hear how she's just getting tripped up on her words? So let's listen to some more of this bitch.
2: You know, I don't understand why you're talking about some guy I dated a million years ago. Well, do
3: you know what happened to his wife?
2: Yeah, I know she got killed.
3: What did um, you What did you hear about that? I, I saw a poster at
2: work. Um, I'm sure I spoke to him about it. Um, I think I spoke to another friend of his about it.
3: Um, and how did How did you first learn about that?
2: Jeez. <laughs> Someone could have called me. I could have heard it at work. Um, I think at one point there may have been a flyer or something. I know a good friend of his. Um, Were you on the job back then when that happened? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm sure I was on the job. That's why I would have heard about it with a flyer. Um, he had a good friend, Mike, Mike, Boldrick, Mike, mm, um, Anyways, a, 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 he may have lived in the dorms. I don't remember if that's how I met him. Um, I, I may have talked to him. I mean, you know, I don't remember how I
3: heard. I mean, I don't even remember what year it was. And you think you, you thought you said you thought his wife was a nurse. Do you have any idea where she was working at the time or did uh, he ever mention that to you? Was it a hospital or a doctor's office? I'm or? sure he
2: must have mentioned it. Now, now that you're bringing that up, I think she worked at a hospital somewhere. And, yeah, I may have met her at a hospital. Um, I may have talk to her once or twice
1: um at, a, at a hospital or more
2: um you
1: Be, know being that you're kind of used to see uh John you know was it everything okay between you guys? I mean there was never an, anything uncomfortable or anything between you and her?
2: Um you know I don't know. I mean it's kind it's been so many years. I mean uncomfortable I mean I, I, I can't even I can't even remember if we had a conversation. I mean, we may have. I may have. I may have seen her at his apartment. You know, jeez, how many years ago is that? I don't even know what year she, you know, got killed.
3: Where was his apartment? On Roscoe. Okay.
2: Yeah, Roscoe and um, um.
0: So <laughs> she's just getting worse and worse, and I'm just gonna tell you guys. I'm just playing you some clips from the beginning of this, this interrogation video is over an hour long and I've watched it like several times. So I picked out what I thought was like the best clips for you guys to listen to, because you can just really hear how much she gets tripped up. And like, I just like, she's a cop, so she knows how it works, right? So she's trying to like work the system, if you will. And it's just insane to me how she's just like, I don't know. It was so long ago. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I think it's hilarious. And that's why I wanted you guys to listen to it. So I'm going to actually let you listen to a little more here. And here we go. I think
2: in Santa Monica, I have relatives that live in Santa Monica and Venice.
0: Um,
2: Who lives there? My uncle. My uncle. Well, I, I had several uncles. Um, yeah, could have been Santa Monica, um, <clears throat> Venice. My my has been broken into in Ventura before. So, is your mom
3: still around? Or? Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So, to pause it real quick, she's talking about when her gun got stolen. I didn't first play that first part of For You, but she is talking about when her gun got stolen. So, she's talking about. That and then she's talking about family members who live in Santa Monica because that's where she reported the gun missing. So I highly recommend watching this video because you can just see the nervousness in her. It's crazy. So let's continue on. dad? Yeah.
2: I don't really have much of a relationship with my dad. So I couldn't tell you where he lives if you want to know. Oh, really? No. Yeah, I
1: couldn't tell you. Well, uh, like I said, as we were looking at the case, and, you know, we had read the notes as far as from uh, Sherry's friend saying, you you guys had problems or words, and they got heated. You know, and the reason we're asking you is, they had mentioned that an incident at her work had occurred, and uh, they've also told us that an incident at her house occurred. You know what? And this is at her house during the period of time that they're married
2: <laughs> that's just not sounding familiar at all. I mean, I, you know what, I, that's just not, sound. I, 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 again, if someone says that I was at her house and I had an incident with her, I, I, you know, I, that just doesn't sound, I, 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 you know, was John there? Did John say this happened because, and other people were there? I, I just, I don't recall. I mean, it just doesn't sound, you know, familiar.
1: And this is an incident where you showed up weren't supposed to show up and things got heated
2: at his house yeah. <laughs> that I you know I that just doesn't sound familiar I mean no. I, you know it's not sounding familiar
1: so not at all now you are saying not familiar because it's just well you remember
2: or it's well just... you know what I would have then I would have to say I don't remember because I don't remember I it, it doesn't sound familiar I oh,
1: I mean, would you, you remember know, something like that in your life?
2: If well, I would think, but...
1: sort of drama involving you know, the other woman type of thing? You did, ever, uh, did you ever fight with
2: her? You mean like we fought? Yeah.
1: Did you ever uh, duke it out with her?
2: No, I don't think so. I mean...
3: You'd remember that, right? That would be pretty...
2: Yeah, I would think so. I pretty mean... Pretty specific. Th- you know, yeah. Like I said, I mean, traumatic. obviously, yeah I, You know, I mean, it just doesn't sound familiar. I mean, I mean, what are they saying? So I, I, I fought with her, so so I mean, I, 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 I'm mean, getting the jump, the leap. Excuse me, I haven't eaten. Um, they're saying, okay, I fought with her, so I must have killed her. I mean, come on. I mean, that's, you know, I, I don't even know who these people are. I, I can't even say I met any of these people. I mean, that's it's insane. I, I, if it happened, I honestly don't remember. That's all I can tell you. I mean...
1: I mean, both I don't know. I mean, would it be something you would remember? I mean, because it's—I don't know if any other intense incidents in your life that have occurred. I mean, you'd recall those, right? I mean, well, like a use of force at work or a car crash, something you're involved in. You'd be like, yeah. I you
2: would this. think I would remember. I mean, I would think if it was something that crazy. I mean, I, I can't say. You say, how many fights have you gotten into? You know, yeah. in your life.
3: You know, I mean, a few at work. Well, fights um, at work are kind of you know, different because we've all had uses of force or whatever. But well, I, mean, I didn't even
2: it, have even a lot of those. I right, mean,
3: but you know, if you're if you're actually, you know, I mean, I played like with, if if Dan and I got mad at each other and we threw blows in the squad room. I mean, twenty years later, I, I would remember it. I mean, I
2: would, would think I would remember it, but that's, that's what I'm saying. That's not sounding familiar to me
1: at all. I mean, I, I... let me ask you. I mean, throughout your life, you know would you remember the number of fights you've been involved in and I don't mean kind of like a bump or something, just a, a physical fight where you, everybody's hitting each other, scratching, pulling you know, whatever.
2: Maybe, I mean, I can't say I've been in a lot, you know, I played sports, yeah. you know, you get into scuffles there and, mm-hmm. um, and you recall some of those, right?
0: So as you can hear, she's starting to really get nervous and she's starting to eat her words. And this clip that I just played you is towards the end of the video. So she's starting to realize she's caught and she's trying to back herself out of a freaking corner. So I'm gonna play you one last clip. I know I'm doing a lot, but this interrogation video fascinated me. Even Ryan, like I felt like I did a lot of his too, but this one, it's just, if you watch it, she is insane, like Constantly, so we're gonna go ahead and listen to right up to when they decide that she is gonna get arrested, and I will talk about the arrest because that doesn't show it in the interrogation video. But one last clip here.
2: Yeah, I can recall some of them. Yeah, games get intense. But like I said, this you saying this this is just not ringing a bell. I mean, but you know. I don't know what to tell you. It's it's just that's just not ringing a bell to me. It'd be something. I would think I would remember. Yeah. I mean, I'm.
1: Uh, if you're in this, I would uh, think so too. If you're in this other girl's house and but words are exchanged, I mean, you figure you recall. I would think. Especially if it got physical, right?
2: Well, I would think.
1: And it's relating to, you know, a guy that you were dating well, and she's dating now, you know, and it's yeah. just like a whole love triangle type of thing. I mean, you figure you remember that, right?
2: Well, I would think. So. I mean, I don't want to still tell you.
1: Yeah. No, because I'm, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm looking at the notes and people are kind of, I mean, they're pointing the finger at you.
2: Well, and, I mean, that's not ringing a bell to me. So,
1: uh-huh.
2: you know, I don't know, you know, it's, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that just sounds crazy to me.
1: Yeah. So you, offhand, you don't recall ever going into her house and having words and physically, you know. No. Attacking I mean, her, her attacking you. No. Nothing like that?
2: No. I mean, that's, no. Nothing. No. No. Not no. at all. Okay.
1: Well, on some of the, uh, on this case, you know, this is occurred in 86, right? Uh, detectives processed the scene, things of that nature. Uh, they did fingerprints and all that stuff. You know, the, well, you know the standards. Mm-hmm. Stuff. You've been doing this longer than I have. Uh,
2: well, not that <laughs> I got 26 years on, <laughs> going on 26.
1: 19. So, <laughs> but you know, as they processed everything, uh, they did the best they could at that time, and they looked at a lot of a lot of people and different things in this case. And you're right. I mean,
2: if you guys are claiming that I'm a suspect, then you know, I, I got a problem with you know with that. Okay. Okay. So, you know, if you're if you're doing this as an interrogation, you're saying, hey, I'm a suspect. Well, I, now I got a problem with you know. Now you're accusing me of this. Is that what you're Is that what you're saying?
3: We're trying to figure out what happened, Stephanie. Uh,
2: well, I'm. I was. You know, I'm just saying. Uh, the, you know, do I need to get a lawyer if you're accusing me of? I mean- this? You know,
3: you don't have to. I mean, you know, I'm just, you're here of your own free will. I, mean, no,
2: you know, well, I, I know, but I mean, you
3: mean know you're, not, you're not under arrest. You can walk out. You can you leave feel. whenever you like.
2: Well, but, you know, it, <coughs> I, I'm trying to give you some background of, you know, how I knew him. And now you're telling me that some somebody's saying that we had this big old fight and I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, You know, and I don't want to, you know, get in trouble for something that I didn't even do or you're saying I did something.
3: OK, yeah, we understand.
2: I mean, how would you guys like it if the tables were turned on you? I
3: understand. No, it's, um, no that's what we're telling you. I mean, you're free to go whenever you want. If, if this makes you uncomfortable
1: and you want to if Well, you want now
2: to, you're starting leave. to make me uncomfortable.
1: The thing is, I mean, detectives did what they could at that time on the crime scene. Okay? And the burglary thing you're talking about, that is an angle that they looked at. But now we're looking at everything else on the case. Because nobody was ever arrested on the case.
2: I, I don't know that or not. Okay.
1: Now...
0: Okay, so that is a lot of clips from the interrogation. So did we take away from that? Isn't it funny how she went from not knowing John very well to knowing him, dating him, or to not knowing Sherry to kind of remembering her? Come on, bitch, you know John and Sherry. This drama, and when you actually see all the posts I post, I'm telling you, she has the most scary eyes that I have ever seen. She is so scary. But it's like gotcha bitch. So whatever happened between her and Sherry was just water under the bridge, she tells them in some of the video. And they tell her that we believe that you and Sherry were having issues because of John. And as you can hear in the video, she keeps saying that was so long ago, I can't remember. They bring up the DNA. <laughs> as you probably heard a little bit of that. I didn't play all that, but haha, she's screwed. And they tell her, yeah, technology, it's a woman's DNA and you know, this is just protocol since you knew them and would you be willing to provide us with a DNA sample so that we can rule you out? And she said she wasn't interested in that or speaking with them anymore and that she needs a lawyer. And as you heard, she said she's in shock that anyone would think that she would do this and again said that she needs a lawyer. And when they tell her that she's free to walk out, that's what she does. She walks out. She gets up, she walks upstairs and she didn't make it very far before Detective Armio followed her out put her in handcuffs, and said, Stephanie, you're under arrest for the 1986 murder of Sherry Rasmussen. What a roller coaster. Now that she was under arrest, they were able to get a better DNA sample. The first one from Costco proved their suspicion, but this DNA sample after her arrest solidified it. The DNA person said that there was a... one, like less than 1% chance that this didn't match Stephanie. So bye-bye, bitch. You're off to your trial. On December, well, not on, in December 2009, she was indicted for the murder of Sherry. Stephanie pleaded not guilty and was held on $10 million bond until her trial. Her loyal her lawyer tried to get the charges dropped, basically saying that it was against the law to investigate one of your own officers. No, 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 no. So he needs to figure out the law trial. will go on the death penalty was off the table. The superior court judge did find that this special circumstances attached to the case didn't fit. So death penalty was off the trial. Okay. We'll take it. Life in prison is fine. On February, 2012, the trial murder for Sherry started. Now the DA said that this was straight passion of jealousy and John and Stephanie did meet in college. From the beginning of the relationship, it wasn't that serious, but in 1981, after they graduated, him and Stephanie had become romantically involved dozens of times. He was clear with her that he didn't want a relationship and that it was just casual sex, however, Stephanie was falling and developing strong feelings for John. So in 1985, she learned that Sherry and him were engaged and she called John and begged him to come over to her house. She wrote a letter to his mom saying how much she loves him in the past year has really torn her up. And I wish it didn't have to end the way that it did. I don't think I'll ever st- understand his decision to marry Sherry. John finally did agree to meet up with her, and when he did, she professed his love to him. So this of her saying that she didn't really know him, they hardly dated, please. Saying to him what they had was special, and that they had a real connection and bond. He could never have that with Sherry, but he could have it with her. He told her no, that he loved Sherry, and that he was going to go ahead and marry her. But then John... Oh, this hurts me so much. Went on to have sex with Stephanie that night. No wonder this psycho is confused. So you're breaking it off with her, and then you have sex with her? Stephanie's roommate at the time confirmed this and also said that John might have been done with Stephanie, but Stephanie wasn't done with John. Even when she did date, she would compare them to John, and she said that she would randomly stop by John's to remind him she's around. Saying all things... to Sherry's father had said. When Stephanie finally realized John wasn't going to leave Sherry, she went crazy and lost it on her, beating her and killing her. Nails was called to testify of how many times he told the LAPD to look at Stephanie, even saying that Sherry would tell him that someone was in disguise following her and dressed like a boy with eyes that could see through you. See, I told you her eyes were scary, Stephanie actually stalked Sherry and followed her a lot. John was next to testify and explains that Stephanie got real closure from the relationship. And that is why he slept with her the night when he had to end things. Okay. He thought that closure was like having sex with her, but he also went to explain why he, well, he also had to explain why he went on and had sex with Stephanie two more times after Sherry, his wife died at the hands of this woman. That's right, two times after she died. (sighs) Who even said police needed to question her, right? He mentioned her. Now, one time while they were on vacation in Hawaii, which she did mention, and she mentioned that there were some friends there, but they were there actually with other people. And they did it then. They cheated on whoever they were there in Hawaii with. You told them to talk to her and you know she did this the da presented all the hard evidence and the 38 caliber gun which was a standard issue with the department stephanie's lawyer tried to defend it by saying their relationship went on much deeper than anyone knows they belonged together and that she wouldn't do it while the bite mark with the dna says it all he tried to explain that one Two, of course that didn't work like how the Stephanie's bite mark got on him on March 8th 2012 the jury deliberated for three days and they found Stephanie Lazarus guilty and she was sentenced to 27 years to life in prison now of course Stephanie has tried many many times to get this appealed never succeeding hello woman you got away with this for 22 years now sit your ass down and rot in prison Sherry's parents, Nels and Loretta, believed that John, who, by the way, got remarried and has a pretty quiet life, did not know anything about what Stephanie was planning on doing or did. He had no clue, but, you know, he's made some bad mistakes. He's not completely innocent in the sense that he cheated on Sherry. And, you know, but he didn't know and her parents agree, you know. John loved Sherry for sure, and he was shocked when he found her, even though he did what he did. John could not have known that she was capable of this. So, poor Sherry, she had so many goals. She was so smart and thriving in the nurse world. It's just so sad to hear something like this, and I'm so happy that her case was finally solved and her family got the closure. So, again, I'm gonna say, rot in prison, Stephanie. Well, that was today's case. And as always, you can see these people and the beautiful Sherry on my Insta at Twisted Wicked Crime the Pod. You can buy me a coffee or a beer at buy me a coffee. Twist slash buy me a slash twisted wicked crime. I'd love the sponsors. I love to keep this podcast going. And I love all you beautiful strangers. Uh, next week, I think I'm going to bring you a mystery, like a spooky mystery. I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm not hundred percent sure, but we'll see, or I might bring you a survival case. I feel like we earned one of those after these rotten ones and I have to go get my daughter off to bed. So with that said, I love all you beautiful strangers. I want you to stay happy, stay healthy make good choices, and most importantly, stay alive, and I will talk to you all later. Bye.